Let me tell you about Grip 6. Every morning, people all over this country get up, go on with their lives in a land that is still free, at least for now. They work hard, try to make a good living, loving their God, their family. The end of the night, they go to bed as decent people. The American ideal is almost a limitless aim conceived in the hearts motivated by liberty and goodness. I want you to do business with people like that. When you're looking for socks, I I need you to just try out Grip6. You're going to love them. You can put your trust and hard-earned money in a company that does it right, all of it, here in America. Every bit of it. Grip6.com slash Beck. Best socks out there. Grip6.com slash Beck. program you want things to change then we need mcconnell out if you believe that i want you to call your senator today and tell them get away from mitch mcconnell stop he needs to be challenged today and we need to elect new leadership you can call the capitol now at 202-224-3121 202-224-3121 call the Congress, uh, sorry, call the Senate today and make sure that uh, Deb Fisher, Roger Wicker, Rick Scott, uh, Ted Cruz, Mike Braun, Josh Hawley, John Barrasso from Wyoming, Marsha Blackburn, they all know it is time for a change in the U.S. Senate. Make sure they know you'll be watching how they vote. Uh, you have to do that today. It, today and tomorrow are the critical days. Now, tomorrow we have a special on what the heck is happening with our criminal justice system. I'm going to give you one piece from tomorrow night's special here in just a second. And then we're going to talk to a, uh, a former FBI official. He's one of the 24 whistleblowers. His story is incredible incredible he will tell you what it's like on the inside we go there in 60 seconds sad to say but there are people right now who want nothing more in life than to steal your stuff and they'll use the most sinister sophisticated ways uh uh, to do it um you think you're immune you're wrong first of all you know they've got eighty-seven thousand new employees Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. We're not talking about the IRS. We're talking about cybercrime. Cybercriminals, this applies to you. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft affect your life. We do everything online these days, and you don't want to cut Internet safety out of the budget. You could just cut the Internet out of your budget. I'm just saying. 
Uh, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can help protect what's yours with LifeLock by Norton. Join now. Save up to 25% off your first year with promo code BECK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK or head to lifelock.com. Use the promo code BECK and save 25% off now. All right. I want to start, before we go to uh, Steve Friend, I, I want to start with something uh, that is absolutely incredible. This comes from a woman who wrote me right towards the beginning of COVID and told me her story, and we've been following it. This is this is a woman that used to live in Seattle. Her husband worked for Amazon, and the government has taken everything from them. Listen. In 1892, a small island just off the coast of New York City opened its doors. Over 62 million immigrants entered, all looking for opportunities that were unmatched anywhere else in the world. Freedom, protection from tyranny, but also a home, a job, a better future for their children. But today, perhaps somebody should tell the millions of people around the world hoping to arrive on our shores and achieve that American dream that our all-powerful government can take it all from you in an instant. Minneapolis, 2011. Amy met a man at the top of this escalator in her office building, and her life changed forever. After we met, it was pretty quickly off to the races. We had so much in common. Um, in fact, our mothers had gone to high school together in Ohio, which we didn't know. Carl and I had met when we were toddlers. About six months after we met, Carl got a job offer with a little startup that was part of Amazon called Amazon Web Services. And they asked him to move to Seattle to join the company, and Carl asked me to go with him. Two years after making the move to Seattle, Carl and Amy married in the beautiful mountains of the Pacific Northwest. And very quickly after that, um, we started growing our family. Amy and Carl were exemplifying that American dream. Amy became an entrepreneur, and her company, The Riveter, hit $20 million in revenue. Carl had left Amazon and was experiencing amazing success as a real estate developer. We saved our money to buy our first house, and we'd really planned to raise our family there for our girls to grow. We were happy. I mean, we had worked so hard to get to where we were. We had really embraced that idea that you can build your own dreams and build your own life. But then, just a couple of weeks after the COVID pandemic began here at home, Amy and Carl's dreams came to a screeching halt. There was a knock at our door around 6.45 a.m. My four little girls were playing a little, a little bouncy house in the living room. And it was a woman and a man, and the woman opened a wallet and it was a badge and it said FBI. The agents gave Carl two letters. One accused him of a federal crime, and the second said that they intended to seize a number of uh, his bank accounts and some bank accounts that I shared with him. Did not know then, but learned very quickly 
that there is a practice in America called civil forfeiture. Since 9-11, under just one program, police have taken two and a half billion dollars in the course of over 61,000 seizures of cash alone from people who, and this is the mind-blowing part, were not charged with a crime. It's when government agencies can take everything you have. Your bank accounts, your homes, your cars. Without ever charging you for a crime. What do you do if you can't feed your kids? How do you even navigate talking to the FBI? Like, what happens then? Carl did something only 2% of all Americans accused of a federal crime choose to do. He refused to cave. Well, that's when the FBI did everything they could to scare this young family into submission. I checked my Wells Fargo bank account and I logged on and it was empty. And this was my account, just mine, where I put my earnings as a CEO, as a lawyer, and all the money was gone. And I've never been accused of a crime. Um, I yelled for my husband to check his bank accounts and everything was gone. So we had no money um, to feed our kids to pay our mortgage, to pay Carl's lawyers. And that was designed so that Carl couldn't fight back. They sold their home. Amy gave up her business, but it still wasn't enough. One of the other tools that was used to coerce him to plead guilty um, was a constant threat from the Department of Justice that they were going to charge him with a crime and that when they did, they would show up at her house in the middle of the night or in the middle of the morning and drag him out at gunpoint in front of our four daughters. And I just didn't want them to see that. And so for, for many months, um, we would wake our daughters up, our four little girls at five in the morning and take them to different parks all around Puget Sound. We tried to make it an adventure, but for us, I just didn't want them to be there if that was going to happen. Most of my daughters were too young to understand anything was happening. But my oldest daughter, Sloane, did understand that something was wrong. You know, I told Sloane, sometimes people with bad motivations and a lot of power can make very bad things happen to other people. And we explained to her that because someone had said daddy did something bad, without asking him, without verifying it, that um, the government had taken our money. And that because of that, we needed to sell our house and we were going to move and stay with family, um, but that mommy and daddy were going to fight. And we did. And I think, you know, that's the most important thing. Amy and Carl fought and they fought hard and against all odds. In the ultimate David and Goliath battle, they proved to Sloane and her little sisters that the good guys can succeed, no matter how powerful the enemy may be. They have not succeeded yet. You will hear their entire story on the special that we air tomorrow night. Uh, we took four families from across the United States. Um, Amy is, if, if I remember right, she was a a bundler for Obama. She's on the left, um, not 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 quite so much anymore, um, but uh, she was on the left, and uh, her story is riveting. You don't want to miss it. 
Mike Lee, I had dinner with him, and he said it was one of the most shocking and horrifying things he has ever seen. He knows about these things, but when you hear the families and you meet the families tomorrow night, uh, you'll have, it will impact you. These are regular people just like you, and if they can do it to them, they will do it to you. Coming up in just a minute, we have uh, the um, whistleblower from the FBI. Uh, his name is Steve Friend. He's an incredibly brave uh, and valiant guy. He's on the special tomorrow night. I wanted him to talk to you about some of the things we didn't get to on the special. Um, and we're going to talk to him in 60 seconds. By the way, if you are not a subscriber to The Blaze, please subscribe now. Go to blazetv.com slash blazetv.com slash glenn use the promo code stand up you'll see a lot of this special on youtube but uh, all of the questions from the audience which are really good um and the answers from our panel of experts also really good on what do i do that's on tomorrow full episode only on blazetv.com slash glenn use the promo code stand up I don't recommend things that I don't believe in. And when I tell you I believe in Relief Factor, I'm saying it because I've seen it work, not secondhand either. I know what it's like to go through daily pain. Yesterday, I was in so much pain, I I almost couldn't do the show. Um, And Stu was kind of on standby the whole time because I the pain was so bad it got really cold here and my pain changes in the in the cold. And I haven't been taking Relief Factor for the last couple of weeks because I've been feeling great. The weather changed, and boy, did I need it. Today, I'm back, I'm unwrapped, and I feel really good. It's Relief Factor, relieffactor.com. Please just try it. The three-week quick start, 1995. Try it for three weeks. If it's not working in three weeks, most likely probably not going to work for you. But 70% of the people who order it go on to order more month after month. 800, the number four relief. 800, the number four relief. Relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. 10 seconds. Station ID. Steve Friend grew up in Savannah, Georgia. He followed his father's footsteps and attended the University of Notre Dame, where uh, he graduated with a bachelor's in accounting. He worked uh, in accounting for two years before deciding he wanted to be uh, in law enforcement. He was a sworn police officer in Savannah and Pooler, Georgia, for four years, and then he joined the FBI in 2014. He spent his first seven years in the FBI investigating violent crime and major offenses occurring on Indian reservations in northeast Nebraska. This included the Omaha Nation, Winnebago Tribe of Nebraska, and the Santee Sioux Tribe. He was also a member of the FBI Omaha SWAT team for five years. He transferred to Daytona Beach in 2021 and, been in, and, and began investigating child exploitation, human trafficking, and child sexual abuse. He was reassigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force in October 21. This is where his story really begins. Welcome to the program, Steve. Steve Friend. Thank you very much, Glenn. It's an honor. Uh, so, Steve, tell me what happened after you were uh, reassigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force. Uh, well, when they brought me over, they had to uh, put me uh, 
on the cases that they had already in existence. Um, and what I soon learned was that the vast majority of those cases were tied to the January 6th incident at the Capitol. Uh, and uh, in my, my habit as an investigator coming from, uh, from violent crime and, and, and in an environment where there's lots of cases coming very rapidly, I just started to look through the cases and, and really wanted to take action on them. And what I came to learn, though, was that they'd done everything that they expected to do and were waiting to hear back from Washington as to further action or, uh, or you know, what, what the status of the case was going to be, which to me was a, a major departure from the FBI rules for investigative work. So wait a minute. So they, the work had already been done by Washington. Why were you assigned it then? That was my question. Uh, you know, just being very, very familiar with the the case management practices within the FBI, you know, having opened over 200 cases in my career, uh, when you open a case, it's assigned to you, it's assigned to your office. Uh, so when we had these January 6th cases, it seemed to me that those cases should have been open from Washington, D.C. Uh, but if a decision was made to, you know, to send them out to the field, then the case was going to sit with the office that it was with. In my case, it was Daytona, which is in the, uh, the Jacksonville field office. And we, we'd run that case the way we wanted to, the way we wanted to make our decisions for in, you know, further proper investigative steps. However, uh, it was clear that a lot of the pre-work had been done on those cases from Washington, and uh, they were giving directives to our offices, even though we were the on, on paper the assigned case agents with our office of origin. Uh, Washington was really running the show. And which is a you know not a kosher uh, move on our part in the FBI. Why would they do that? Uh, I asked, and uh, I was told that that had been raised um, you know early on, and uh, the response from headquarters had been that it was to get quote unquote buy-in from the field. Uh, I, there's a couple of things I can surmise from that. One is uh, the FBI uh, suits and headquarters just have a really negative opinion of its investigators, and they thought you know if your name's not on it, they're not going to do a good job. Which to me just kind of rang hollow, pretty macabre view of your of your personnel. Uh, so then I just just did a little bit of critical thinking on it, and you know, first of all, the uh, the January sixth incident logically is one incident; it should be one case. Uh, but instead, the FBI is elected to open a separate case for every single subject. So right then and there, you have one case has been made into eight hundred, nine hundred, a thousand cases. Uh, so now you've you've upped the the total bottom line number of domestic terrorism investigations, and then by spreading those cases to the field, you're essentially backfilling a, a narrative that was was pushed out in 2021, 2022 about this rise in violent domestic terrorism around the country, when in reality the all those cases are stemming from one incident on January 6, 2021, in one location. Okay, so you were suspended because you wouldn't do it. You were suspended without pay. Your your gun, your badge, everything was taken from you. Um, and it's because you wouldn't, uh, what they say, is refusing a lawful arrest warrant, uh, which demonstrated poor judgment and improperly accessing the FBI's employee handbook and refusing to attend the SAB. Tell me about this. Yeah, so I uh, uh, my first opportunity really to take uh, to, to engage in an arrest of a January 6th subject, I'd already decided that uh, should that come to pass that uh, I was going to make my disclosure to uh, to my supervisor. So uh, in in the lead up to that, I, uh, I 
the week before, spoke to my immediate supervisor, raised my concerns about the you know, improper case management practices, and then also just my concerns about how we were going to be arresting these subjects. Because in my experience, and having arrested 150 plus violent criminals, you never had to use uh, a tactical team, a SWAT team, to to bring them into custody. Uh, because I'd talked to those individuals, and, and we'd done similar things with these January 6th subjects. So to me, it seemed like an unnecessary use of, of uh, a force, uh, and, you know, and I have SWAT experience to, to back that up. So I brought all those concerns to them. Um, they uh, they passed it up the chain of command, my, my supervisor, to the, the second level, um, and uh, again, had more sit-down meetings with those with those guys. Uh, voices and concerns, even brought up FBI training uh, about uh, abuse of power that all agents have to go through in the academy where you go to the Holocaust Memorial and the MLK Memorial and, and you discuss, you know, how those civil rights abuses and, and, and atrocities right. can occur. Right. Um, so raised all those concerns and they said uh, it was very clear to me that they were trying to divorce the, the two issues of me raising my uh, concern and then they said it's separate for me to uh, refuse to, to participate. And, and I co- contradicted that. I said, you know, my job is to defend the Constitution. I took an oath to uphold and defend it. And I think that we are violating due process and we're potentially uh, violating some cruel and unusual punishment. But just how we're bringing these guys into custody, even, you know, interviewing people who we never actually intend to prosecute is, is an abuse. So I have to default to my oath of office. And I think I am doing my job. Uh, they didn't agree with me. They said that I uh, had uh, questionable uh, judgment and uh, was not uh, ex- executing a lawful warrant. Uh, that was one of the issues. Uh, when I got concerned about my, my future with the FBI, because they, they multiple times told me, you know, where do you see yourself with us in the future? In fact, my special agent in charge, Sherry Onks, told me I needed to do some soul searching and decide if I wanted to be a, an wow. FBI agent. Um, so I got an attorney and uh, he, he asked me to get him the employee handbook and disciplinary procedures because he just wanted to be equipped to, to mount right. the fence for me. So that was so the improperly that. accessing the f- employee handbook, giving it to your attorney? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. My employee's request, uh, I even when I was eventually suspended, they you know said, what did you take? And I said, oh, that, that was the employee handbook. And they're like, they said, we need that back. I, I, th- I said, I, th- I thought you guys could get the handbook, but right. I'm happy to send it back to you. <laughs> okay, hang on just a second. When we come back, He's going to talk about the tools called guardians and his concern on how those tools are being used right now to investigate U.S. citizens. Tools called guardians. Oh, that sounds safe. More with Steve Friend next. The Glenn Beck Program. You like saving money? The reason I ask is, you know, if you hate saving money, well, then you're probably a Democrat and you you might not be a fan of upside. If, on the other hand, you're the type of person who actually doesn't enjoy having to empty out your wallet and sell a kidney every time you go to buy groceries or to get gas, you're going to love upside. Upside is an amazing app that will actually save you money on gas and groceries and dining out. All you have to do is download it and use the promo code BECK. You'll automatically get 25 cents or more back for every gallon on your first tank of gas. And from there, you just find an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, and when you do pay, you get paid. It's easy. You'll feel the results right away in your wallet. So download the free Upside app at Upside.com slash Beck. 
upside.com slash Beck. Get 25 cents or more back for every gallon on your first tank of gas. It's upside.com slash Beck. Do it now and save. Don't miss the special on Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is stand up. You'll get 30 bucks off. We are talking to a very brave FBI agent. I wish there were more of them. Where are you, local FBI agents? Uh, Steve Friend is his name. He's an FBI whistleblower. He objected to being part of the January 6th raids for several reasons. First of all, um, before I get to some other things, can you tell me, um, you said earlier that you thought it was um, cruel and inhumane treatment, I think you said, uh, the way some of these prisoners are being handled. Can you tell me anything you know about that? Well, I can only speak to you know what I've read about uh, how, how folks are being held in the D.C. jails who have actually been taken into custody. Uh, my, my genuine concern uh, was the the process being a punishment for people who actually were never we never intended or were going to not right. be able to charge. So you know, just sitting down somebody in front of them you know stresses them out. A lot of these guys had to hire attorneys. Uh, the one individual I participated in with an interview, he had lost his job and was you know, retaining an attorney, and it was for, you know, walking in the Capitol uh, after having gained permission of the police. So what was the point of us right. going through that process? You know, it's, a, it's amazing to me. You, you said um, at one point, you, you said that the process is the punishment. And when you think of that, that is terrifying because that means that even if they can't charge you or you're not really guilty of anything, they're going to make this so horrible on you that you just stay away from everything. You teach, you teach people a lesson, stay away. Don't even get close to any of this. That's exactly right. I mean, even you can go back to what happened to Michael Flint I mean, you know, he was forced to sell his house and essentially become bankrupt in order to, to mount a defense and ultimately pled guilty to avoid his son being roped into it. So that's the process is the punishment. And the FBI um, designated the grassy area area outside the U.S. Capitol as a restricted zone after January 6th. And did they apply that rec- retroactively to be able to look and say, well, you were in that restricted zone on January 6th? That's my understanding that they, they wanted to really send a message and then gather more people up in this dragnet. So they decided that the, the lawn on the outside of the Capitol, outside of those four walls, was going to be deemed restricted because at some point there had been some barricades. But just anecdotally, I heard individuals who were there on the 5th, they said they saw barricades, but on the 6th, the morning of, they saw people removing them. So there's a little bit of uh, hmm. suspect action being involved with that. Um, tell me about Guardians, the tools that they use to investigate called Guardians. So Guardian is a software system. Uh, I like to think of it as like the 911 system in the FBI. Uh, you, you call 911, just you know, cat in the tree uh, for your neighborhood. You can do that to the FBI, to the uh, National Intake Center. Uh, those folks there deal with uh, probably 3,000 calls a day or, or, digi- or electronic communications. Uh, they kind of 
cull through it and disseminate them to the field for uh, proper investigative action. So when it came to January 6th, there was a huge uptick in the amount of guardians that came in to the FBI, and it was from all over the country. It could be from a disgruntled neighbor who didn't like his uh, buddy across the street having a, a MAGA flag. It could be a uh, family member ratting on a family member. You know, my, my uncle was there. He, he, he told me he was there. So people that were trying to, uh, to be helpful to the FBI in, in pursuing this investigation, uh, a lot of them actually just went to the FBI website and looked at pictures and then would call, call on a tip saying, you know, this uh, unknown subject who looks like somebody I went to high school with. And uh, those tips would come in. Uh, they would be pushed out to you know, wherever was deemed the appropriate geographical location. Uh, so for me, you know, I, I got one uh, that was really the, the first interaction I had. Uh, it was an anonymous tip from Rhode Island that said uh, this individual was, was involved in assaulting police officers at the January 6th riot. Uh, they had done a workup on this guy. Uh, his phone, had the, G, the geo fence on his phone, the GPS, did not ping at the capital. Uh, the facial recognition with the, his social media accounts did not come up with a positive match, but I was still asked to go and attempt to do an interview. So it's not illegal for me to knock on anybody's door and, and, and say, hey, I'm the FBI. Do you want to talk to me? Right. Uh, it's called a knock and talk. But uh, you know, it, it was just kind of a concern just because even if he admitted to being at the Capitol, there was no complaint. It was going to be very difficult to even charge the case. So uh, I still just team player at that point uh, said all right i'll go knock on his door went went to the drove about an hour hour and a half uh knocked on the door met a gentleman there said i am with the fbi we were looking at january 6th were, were you at the capitol that day and he looked at me and said no uh, that was the day of my son's funeral so uh i just you know well i guess i made him relive that whole experience and uh gave him my business card and was on my merry way so that was my my first uh guardian that I had for any of January 6th. Mm-hmm. Um, are you seeing an escalation of political targeting at the FBI? How concerned about all the things that we're seeing with the FACE Act, now the FBI coming in in the middle of the night and arresting 78-year-old people, the idea that if you disagree at the school board, you're a, somehow or another a terrorist? Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a political element. I think there's a there's two dueling things. There's, there's politics and there's ambition. Sometimes there's one, sometimes it's the other. Sometimes there's both, I think. Uh, and there are some true believers, definitely my special agent in charge, uh, Sherry Onks, is a, of the political left, made no secret about that. She, she sent out emails about the, the Dobbs decision being the, uh, the Supreme Court taking away women's rights, and she put a gay pride flag display up in her office in Jacksonville. Uh, but then you have my assistant special agent in charge, uh, Colt Markowski, who I, I believe is probably more ambitious, kind of saw this as being a huge case of the FBI, than, than bigger than 9-11. And you know, if you get your name on something with January 6th and you can claim you had supervising responsibilities in some way of the largest and most important case that the agencies ever worked, that's, that's going to be a pretty good ticket for you to, to promote within the, uh, the organization. And I think just recently, you know, with, the, with these FACE Acts, uh, you know, I've had a little bit of experience with it just being on uh, human trafficking investigations. I, I reached out to some of the crisis pregnancy centers after the, the Jackson Dobbs case uh, just because I was worried that they might have some, uh, some threats come in. Uh, and then I also figured that they, they might actually see some human trafficking victims. They could be a good uh, resource right. for me. Did that, uh, got a little helmet sticker from, from, the, from the bosses. 
but then was also told that uh, I really needed to prioritize looking into abortion clinics because they were really the, maybe the ones that were at risk. <laughs> really? Uh, and I, mm. I responded, I, I think the only time that the team that wins does that is like when the Lakers win the title, they burn the city. But otherwise, <laughs> I don't think that the, uh, the pro-life side is going right. to burn down places that are going to be shut down. Right. But that, that's just my critical thinking. Uh, and last question, and I know I asked you this uh, before, but uh, why aren't we seeing more FBI agents coming out? We've always thought that these guys were the best of the best. You know, conservatives have always given them a pass, which we I don't think we should have. Um, but uh, now they're showing themselves to be. Uh, I think less than honorable if they're seeing things themselves and are not standing up against it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hard, disheartened by this myself. Um, I, you know, I told you uh, the other night, you know, I, I really thought that I was going to have the, the Captain America endgame moment where, you know, I fought a battle and even in my most dire situation, I would get that on your last moment. And uh, you know, there would be my, my brother and sister in arms, standing there and uh, they just aren't I, I'm, I'm done talking about the good men and women at the FBI yeah, I know that's the politically correct thing that uh, all of our, our leaders like to say to make sure the donations keep coming in but um, I, I, I'm no longer doing that I, I think that you know, it's a really sweet gig to be an FBI agent I lived it for eight years uh, it's a great job you're the most interesting person um, maybe with the exception of radio show host uh, that you walk in <laughs> any room uh, everybody wants to ask you questions and the big case. Um, and, uh, you can really get by on a 20 year career being grossly overpaid and underworked. And folks just kind of play that same narrative where they say, oh, I'm just trying to pay the bills and put food on the table and I'm going to keep my head down. I only got a few years to, to retirement. Um, but you know, I, I swore an oath and I, I, you know, like I voiced to my bosses, like, I guess you guys found the one that uh, actually took their oath seriously. I, I believed in it. And I, I that's why I wanted to do the job. So this was a job. So I did the job and it never occurred to me that, that that was not, um, that was an option to, to not do that. Um, unfortunately, I guess the other, uh, 14,000 agents who, uh, who wear the gun and badge, uh, don't share my sentiments. Well, we have all kinds of oversight. If the, uh, if the Republicans gain the house, it looks like they're going to at this point. And, uh, I know you're in touch with, uh, people on Capitol Hill and I, I hope we see more of you, and I, I hope all of this comes to light and we do clean up this organization or shut it down. If it won't be cleaned up, then shut it down. Steve, thank you so much. Thank you, Glenn. You bet. Steve Friend, uh, former FBI agent, um, he has had quite a transformation. You'll see him uh, tomorrow as he talks about some of the cases uh, that we have in front of you tomorrow. It is a really very important show because we don't know our constitution. Uh, you know, uh, Mike Lee's son uh, came with his wife and, and Mike and uh, we went out to dinner afterwards and his son is actually, uh, I think he's clerking for the Supreme court now. And uh, he said, you know, when I, I heard my dad was coming to this, I wanted to come. He said, but, so many places are just going to get you all riled up uh, and then leave it there. And he said, I was so glad to see the panel and what you guys were doing, because what we tried to do is show you what can happen to you 
and it is on the increase. We've never had to think about being an enemy of the state. We never have been. We believe in the Constitution. How can we possibly be the enemy of the of the government and the and the Constitution when we are calling for the use of the Constitution? And you never have thought of yourself as a rebel, a rebel. But now you are just for standing up. You'll hear the story of a guy who lost his children because he would not go along with calling his son, who does not want to be called a girl, a girl. It can happen to you, and we are going to give you the do's and don'ts and what you need to do to prepare for these things. It's a introductory, really, on the Constitution and how you should behave. And there is one shocking thing that I think... Uh, conservatives have never even thought of before uh, that uh, is overwhelming advice from the experts. That's tomorrow night only on Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the uh, promo code stand up and uh, save our biggest savings ever. $30 on your uh, one year subscription. So it's 70 bucks now for a year. Believe me, you will get more than $70 worth of uh, value out of that with all the shows that we have and the specials that we have uh, coming up. It is so important now more than ever that we stay in touch with each other and have a direct line of communication. Being a Blaze family member is one way to do that. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code STANDUP. That's tomorrow night. Um, Well, the Democrats have taken the Senate, and you know what that means. It means we have to work a little harder. We have to fix our uh, voting processes. And uh, I don't think anybody stole this. I think this is the way the system works. And we need people to be informed and start working for the 2024 election. We have to stick together also uh, better than we have been doing. It means that you and I need to be patronizing companies that believe in the same set of values and principles that we do. We have to reinforce one another and hang together. Companies that stand for freedom are hard to find, but there is one. Patriot Mobile. They're America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, and they share your values. They're not going to send your hard-earned money to aid in the destruction of America. They're going to work for conservative causes, not against them. You're going to get the same nationwide service, all while supporting a company that loves America, shares your values, and supports our police. Switching is easy. It's going going to be rewarding just knowing you're not only getting great mobile service, but you're also standing up for what is good and right. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck or call 972-PATRIOT. Free activation with the offer code Beck. Special discounts are available for veterans and first responders. Come join the movement and make the switch today. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck or call 972-PATRIOT. The Glenn Back Program. Welcome to the uh, program. Coming up next hour, um, we've got a few things uh, for you. We, we have, for anyone who has said, oh, ESG is just made up, it's not happening. 
I'm going to give you two ESG stories that make it very, very, very clear what is happening. And it's not in the future. It is already here. One from the World Bank, one from um, the um, uh, Fannie and Freddie and what they're going to be doing. And I, I really want you to go to see VantageScore.com slash Capital Markets slash ESG. Just go to Vantage Score. Um, this is a, a new program that is out now. And, and uh, Freddie and Fannie are going to be using this. Um, uh, they are participating to boost ESG scores. What this is will help improve racial equity in the buying of homes. And they're using this new score that will help people buy 10.7 million people will have a score of uh, 620 above. Uh, and this is not just going to be a FICO score. This is also going to be on your social justice score. Again, anybody who doesn't believe in it, go to vantagescore.com slash capital hyphen markets slash ESG. I'll give you all of the information uh, next hour, but this is coming and this is the Chinese kind of the score. Back program.